to the coaching cast your working from home managers club here to check in with you weekly to share your remote working highs and lows remind you that you're not alone and acknowledge that there's many of us outside of your living room kitchen spare room car all sailing through this crazy storm together whilst trying to be the best coach leader manager and human being we can be i'm lisa robin wood founder of grip corporate coaching personal performance coach, leader and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo that suffocates rather than advocates. And I'm Susie Hunt, business coach, leadership and sales mentor at Future You Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a one-year-old who certainly doesn't like being questioned. In this podcast, we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment, masks and social distancing measures included. Each episode will present different topics which we will explore and discuss with support for some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints and tips as we go. We won't tell you what to do because we hate that, but we'll share and invite you to take away whatever you want. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we explore the hot topic of resilience, what it is, what it isn't, and how to manage, support, and grow your own to ensure that your resilience is serving you in the best way possible. It's time to sod off everyone else and just look at how kind you're being to yourself. Stay with us and enjoy. So before we get going into uh, today's subject of resilience, Suze, how are you? How's your week been? So this week, I can probably uh, summarize my week in one word, and that would be cold (laughs) in the sense of (laughs) I have just felt cold uh, for for it feels like forever so I feel like I've permanently got like a blanket over my legs like an old lady um or attached to a hot water bottle in some shape or form so yeah it's been absolutely freezing I feel like I'm I've just been living in the uh arctic for the last week or so so that's been happening uh, a highlight of lockdown and also the poo chronicles have cropped up again so anybody who listened to uh, episode three will know that, um, yeah, I had a bit of a situation uh, with my little boy uh, in regards to pooing in the bath. We haven't had another poo in the bath incident, but we have had another uh, poo incident. <laughs> um, so I was just like, is this actually a joke? But yeah. <laughs> So the Pooh Chronicles continue, um, that's for sure. So don't worry, I, I won't be talking about uh, about poo every time we have a <laughs> podcast, I hope. <laughs> they certainly have continued in the last week or so. So a bit random, uh, I have to say, in terms of my week. How How's your week been? Well, I've got an update on my early starts. So I know in the last episode I talked about in respect of motivating and energizing myself, practicing the art of actually getting up in the morning. So that's definitely um, going well. It's getting better. I haven't managed to jump out of bed yet, Suze, as per your recommendation, but I'm getting out of bed. So that's good. (laughs) And always before nine o'clock. So that's a bonus. Um, And then other than that, I think what I've struggled with a little bit this past week is the rather unhelpful 
task of or practice rather than task of comparing myself to other people and I think it's been in relation to reflecting on 2020 and the frustrations I think I experienced a lot with last year and not in my head being where I feel I should be as we go into 2021 and I'm sure many people can relate to that because of how the pandemic has stopped us all from doing things we wanted to do, halted plans, ruined plans. And I have been really guilty this week of spending far too much time on social media, LinkedIn as well, and looking at all these people that I think are absolutely smashing it and being superheroes and just thinking, oh God, I'm not doing enough. I'm not as successful as I would like to be. If someone looks at my CV, would they just think, oh God, she should be further on already. And so, yeah, I've not been that helpful to myself at times this week. And we'll talk a bit more about that later, actually, on this subject of resilience, because I do think it's really relevant. And some of the suggestions that I make, tips and recommendations, are actually those that I should actually just follow myself a hell of a lot more and that I will pull my hands up and say I'm guilty of not always doing very consistently. But hell, we're all a work in progress. So I've definitely definitely been a bit guilty of some unhelpful comparisons this week and then the other thing that happened this week and actually I'm still stumped by it it's another food related one very another middle class food related one so I've got cashews before (laughs) this week it was Jerusalem artichokes oh my goodness me (laughs) I'm not sure I've I've had a normal artichoke or a Jerusalem artichoke. I also don't know if all artichokes are Jerusalem. And also, are they from Jerusalem? And is that why they're called Jerusalem artichokes? Anyway, that stumped me this week. I haven't really got to the bottom of that one yet. Well, I can't probably help you on that subject. But if any of our <laughs> listeners know anything further <laughs> around a Jerusalem artichoke, then please let Lisa know. Yeah. So middle class. I'm trying to be relatable <laughs> to people. And all I talk about is all these weird and wonderful foods. <laughs> Let's get back to the boring potato. Excellent. Okay, should we get chatting about today's topic of resilience? Let's do it. So in today's episode, we're exploring the topic of resilience, a topic which suddenly appears to be everywhere and being discussed by everyone, especially now that the pandemic continues into 2021 and we're experiencing our third lockdown during a particularly tough, cold, wet winter in the UK. I've studied resilience periodically over the years, but have found some really interesting new theories and arguments in the most recent weeks. And I'm going to talk about one of those sources of information right now, actually, because I think it's a really interesting debate that's been raised. So I was poring over Instagram um, last week, and I found this really interesting article featured there that was published by Stylist Online, written by Amanda Nichols, So this was released on the 26th of January and the article caught my eye because obviously we're talking about resilience today and I was preparing for that. But it was because of the title, which was entitled, we hear the word resilience a lot these days, but have we got its meaning all wrong? So just to summarize quickly, the article really challenges the balance of focus and accountability for resilience. So Nichols quotes cognitive behavioral therapist Jerry Serrell. It's placing the blame at the level of the individual and their insecurity, sensationalized media coverage, consequences of contagion, uncertainty regarding rules and the future. Jerry Serrell 
goes on to say, it's sought out as a means to mediate and buffer the significant uncertainties we are increasingly being exposed to. It's become a sort of badge of honour. Nichols' belief is that the focus should be on fixing the sources of the problems that's creating this need for enhanced increase resilience and not passing the responsibility onto the individual to just cope better because actually the more we're being asked to cope with the more it's degrading our resilience over time because of the increasing amount that's being put on us and therefore any resilience that we do have is potentially being worn away so i thought this was a really interesting debate to start from Amanda Nichols in this particular article and I thought it'd be a good place for us to start here on this particular subject today. So Suze, what are your thoughts on this view from Nichols in respect of resilience? Yeah it's an interesting article I agree with you on that Um, when I read it it definitely offers a viewpoint that not many of us have considered before certainly I hadn't Mm. Um, So it's definitely worth a read and we'll post it on our show notes and on our Instagram so you can go and and have a read if you'd like to. Um, But part an element of it, which I also kind of um, wanted to kind of explore or or bring out of it as well was um, she Nichols writes, if we were all just become more resilient then the status quo isn't challenged to involve, but instead the people under pressure to maintain it are. And I do think that there's something in that around looking and acknowledging about the why. So the reason why, you know, the status quo is what it is or the reason why I keep finding myself in a particular situation. And I do think that there's something in that around looking and acknowledging about the why. So the reason why, you know, the status quo is what it is or the reason why I keep finding myself in a particular situation. And that's, I think, one of the things that we need to ask ourselves sometimes. So what's the reason I keep finding myself in the position where I'm continuously, for example, dealing with challenge at work? Or what's the reason why I continuously find this person quite difficult to communicate with or engage with? And I think there is something around asking ourselves those questions and being clear with ourselves that we're not just going along with things for the sake of going along with things, that they are actually relevant and true and real. But after like reading the article, I would say that in my experience, I still think that resilience is needed in the workplace. I think it still has a huge and in life, actually, it still has a huge role to play. I don't think we can just purely focus in on that status quo and questioning that. And it 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 feeds into kind of like how we learn and and what is often required sometimes in positive change in our lives as well. Because there's an element of resilience within that. So, for example, when we get promoted we need an element of of resilience because we're doing new things that we haven't necessarily done before, or we enter like a new career chapter in our careers. Um, Again, because we're learning and we're growing within that and resilience um, and how we bounce back from um, some of the challenges that we face plays into that as well. So for me, I think Amanda raises a really interesting point 
but it it fundamentally goes kind of hand in hand with the need for resilience in the workplace and in our kind of general lives at the moment because it really is our ability to kind of not dwell on things you know resilience is our ability to choose how we respond and i think when we make a conscious effort around how we're going to react and how we're going to move forward it tells our brain that we can actually embrace change and that's quite an important trigger um and how we kind of take action is our our anchor around how we bounce back into scenarios and in and from situations and that kind of all improves our optimism it helps us with our kind of communication our engagement our motivation and so yeah i kind of keep coming back to it but um i think it's an interesting perspective but the two things need to be balanced together both that kind of understanding of the of the status quo and the why so that we don't lose the benefit of questioning that when it's appropriate but also we shouldn't be lauding resilience around as this badge of honor or something to be chased you know it, it's not a destination and they can't those two things kind of go hand in hand for me no i think i really like your perspective of exploring the why from the sense of looking at repeated patterns yes which i think yeah. is really interesting and very true when i looked at the article and i read it what continually came into my mind was the topic of locus of control because i think okay. the article where it's focusing in on the why and the why that should be challenged actually the examples given from my perspective very much from my opinion felt like areas that actually are so big and so at times i feel far removed from me in terms of the wider political situation the wider work society situation that it felt very much for me around well those things are out of my control directly and generally when it comes to reviewing situations scenarios triggers that is what i tend to look at first which is well, what is within the locus of my control what can i affect and change and i'm very much someone who believes that everything is within my control based on how i choose to perceive it and that comes down to what you mentioned about how you choose to react yeah and i think about this in terms of how i've built and grown my personal resilience throughout my life and i really think that my growth of resilience my journey began when i was a teenager because my mum suffered really terribly with a mental health illness for a lot of my teenage years and as i grew older and turned 18 became an adult my feelings towards her illness were very much ones of anger frustration i think a lot of that was hormonal but i think it was also to do with feeling so out of control of that situation and the only way i could react to it was just to be really angry and i was angry at her there was a lot of you know slam doors not talking to each other but over time what i really learned was actually that was only worsening the situation for myself and obviously my mum as well but how it made me feel i was already feeling rubbish and actually it made me feel worse 
And what I really started to learn about was how I could choose to respond to the situation when actually it was completely out of my control and to a huge extent, my mum's. And I think that's true actually of illness in general. And obviously that feels very relevant at the moment in the situation that we're in with COVID that actually, yes, obviously there are things we are being asked to do. That's why we're in lockdown. That's why we're isolating to try and help take control back from the virus and reduce the risk of catching it. But ultimately we could all still become ill in some form. And I do think it's how you choose to respond to it that makes all the difference and trying to look at it in respect of what you can do not what you can't and and identify the Mm. the action and even in some respects the positives because and this may sound a little bit morbid or even a bit odd to people but obviously I don't wish my mum to have been ill I'm I'm sad for her more than anyone else that that happened but I take so many positives away from that situation. And that is all that I tend to take away from it now. I don't look back on it and feel sad or mm. angry or frustrated at all now. I actually yeah. see it in terms of what I learned through that whole process. And I know you just spoke about what, you know, taking learnings away is so crucial. I think both in a work context, especially, but as also in personal, because actually all I think about now is that I have, a whole side of me that is much more open-minded, much more accepting, much more comfortable with conversations about mental illness or mental health or mental wellness of any kind. It doesn't have to be clinical. I actually think in many ways, the reason I actually became a coach in the end was because of what happened all those years ago, because somewhere within me, I had this desperate want to support people to feel great about themselves Mm -hmm. and to get better connected to their mental strength and capabilities. And I think that's where that came from. So I've only taken good learnings away from it, really. And that tends to be then how I look at most situations going forward. It's even when it's really awful, what can be done and how do we move on? Yeah. And I think as well, like resilience is an an ever-evolving thing. Like like I said before, it's not a destination. So this kind of badge of honour that they talk about in the article you know I see it as kind of like you have this big pot maybe like a a cauldron (laughs) go with me on this I'm going with you on it Um, I'll stick with the cauldron and and all your life experiences whether that's in work out of work all flow into this kind of big pot of resilience and actually you know the more experiences you have and the learns you have it just but it just the content you know just in, um levels up and it's all just kind of there ready for when you need to t- kind of tap into it and use it um and all those experiences in your life just just help you um fill up your your cauldron your cauldron yes I've got this mental um, image now of a cauldron yes I like Good. it <laughs> I'm a very visual person so this works for me if you've just tuned in we haven't lost the plot yeah <laughs> I'm still listening to the coaching <laughs> cast. Um, but I think that, li- you know, that represents a way of, I suppose, um, demonstrating resilience for me that it's an ever moving, ever, um, you know, changing 
thing and and we need to use it sometimes in in very different ways and I think in the last 12 months or so we've had to use it even more than we've we've probably ever done and the way that people will have used their personal resilience both at work and in their personal lives will be different um and yeah you know it's an interesting topic for sure definitely so talking about further exploration of the subject of resilience and and what's being discussed out there at the moment when I was exploring this article from Nichols and her debate around that area we should focus on why this is happening and how we should address the balance of actually where we focus our efforts on resilience another topic that I identified and really liked actually was one around self-compassion in relation to resilience. So rather than the old school thought about self-critique and how self-critique supports growth in resilience, there is an increasing argument that actually, no, it's not about criticizing yourself. It's about being kind to yourself. So there is a professor at the University of Texas So this is a lady called Kristin Neff, and she is the Associated Professor of Educational Psychology. And she's conducted years of research into the subject of resilience and found that self-compassion, so treating yourself as you would your best friend, increases emotional resilience, health, well-being and productivity. And I've quoted Neff here. She states, accept and honour your humanness. So in other words, and I apologize because I'm going to swear here, accept that shit happens and seek to find the learnings to prevent future repeats of the same mistakes rather than beating yourself up over it, which only increases the stress you're under. And I think we've talked a little bit about that already, about identifying the learnings. So in respect of self-compassion and resilience, what's your experience of this, Suze? So when I was thinking about this ahead of of talking about it today, I kept coming back to this one story um, and and kind of one experience in my life. And that was when my little boy was born a couple of years ago now. Um, So I had um, just obviously had a baby um, and he got taken uh, quite seriously poorly um, pretty much instantly after he was born. So I didn't get to hold him uh, and I didn't really see him for that, for that long before he was, he was kind of taken off into, um, special care Mm. and he was in ICU for, um, the kind of first couple of weeks of his life. And I had obviously was, was recovering from surgery um, I had left him in hospital to come home um, and we were kind of traveling back in every day to see him and, and look after him and uh, to kind of, yeah, just just be with him. And I think when I look back on it now, that's probably the time in my life where I've had to dig the deepest I've ever dug uh, in terms of my my personal resilience. So getting getting kind of up every day, you know, I was recovering from surgery, um, getting dressed, seeing his nursery without him in it at home, 
getting in the car, walking into hospital, seeing people leave with their babies uh, and knowing that, you know, my little boy was, was incredibly unwell. And I think, yeah, overcoming some of those kind of thoughts and feelings where I could have easily, and I did at times, but I think beat myself up and critique myself about why that had happened to me and did I have a role to play within that. And I think, you know, it was an incredibly tough situation. I can't sit here and say it wasn't. And I, and like I said, I think it it took great levels of resilience for me to go to that hospital every day but I knew I had to that was my role now that's what I had I had to do but in terms of that like self-care angle I think I I did that did play into things for me definitely so I needed to like not think about other challenges like in life so when people were like do you want me to drop something off so you don't have to like cook dinner I'd be like yes absolutely can I can they walk can I walk the dog for you like yes so I said yes quite a lot. And, and I think that really helped me with that self-care piece. So I didn't have to think about other things other than just him. And I, I kind of became quite single-minded in those weeks around what my purpose and my role was now. And, and it was all about looking after him as much as I could and being there for him. Um, and so I, I became quite single-minded, I think, in that focus. But that really helped me as well around not putting too much pressure on myself to do different things and and you know if I didn't reply to somebody's message or return their call or what have you I was you know I just wanted to be kind of as compassionate towards myself as I possibly could and then I wouldn't necessarily label this as self-care um but there's this one kind of element of of, that I kind of sticks out in my mind it was like one Saturday night in October and um, I remember just eating a McDonald's watching Strictly in the parents lounge of the <laughs> of the special care unit that my little boy was in um just kind of like and saying hi and just like chatting to fellow parents and um I think at that time I remember just thinking like I really wanted to eat at McDonald's and I just really just wanted to watch Strictly come dancing <laughs> <laughs> but looking back on it now it's just really surreal but I think it just I needed to just have a, a level of normality within this completely crazy situation mm. you know and I would say hi and we would chat to people that we would see every day and I remember there was this one couple that you know their their little boy was also incredibly poorly um but we were kind of you know chatting to them and, and trying to kind of have a little bit of um, laughter along the way like when we would see them in the morning um, just because we were in this crazy surreal environment but it, it allowed us to just have a bit of kind of a break and that kind of self-care of not just taking it all completely as seriously as it probably was mm. so don't get me wrong I'm not saying making light of it or, or making you know taking away from um, how serious that situation was but I think yeah, it, it definitely um, showed me that I was more resilient than I thought I could be. And that actually I had put in some things around self-care, which I probably didn't realize until I reflected upon it. And, and I think it took me a good few months before I could talk about it and talk about what I'd been through and the learns from that situation. And so what I would say is, 
don't be too hard on yourself. If you're going through something and you want to build your resilience, you need to do it in your own time. And, you know, I think giving yourself permission to reflect is really, really crucial, but doing it in the time that's right for you um, and being able to do that took me quite a long time, but I did get there and it has given me some, again, you know, if I think about my cauldron of resilience, <laughs> it's given me some great, uh, you know, experiences to kind of tap into when I, when I need it, you know, moving forward. But it, it did take me a while to kind of get to that point of being able to draw a line and reflect on it and, and take those learnings forward. So don't be too hard on yourself if, if you find that, you know, you can't quite do that yet, I suppose is my point. And that's really poignant, I think. Thank you so much for sharing the story and talking about it. It's, it's, it's so insightful and so powerful hearing you talk about it all and what you went through. And I think your point around the timing of reflection is so key. I think I often want to reflect immediately because I yeah. just want to move on. And yeah. I, that's my personal preference, but I will admit at times I know I'm doing it possibly when I'm not ready to. Yeah. And actually I create another layer of pressure on myself when I'm already under pressure and stress because of whatever's happened. But I think I just often want to change how I feel about the situation so much that I just rush it just to get the hell out of there. And I do think that's an area I could benefit from focusing on. I think also, and this probably relates a little bit to what we've already talked about and possibly the, the sentiment of the article actually in respect of the debate about the balance of resilience and who's mm. to own it or not. I think part of what that was speaking about was the unhealthy relentlessness of being asked to be resilient yes and I yeah. do think taking time to have a break create space when you're having to be resilient when things are happening to you is actually so much a part of what helps to grow your resilience and in a way that actually is helpful rather than mm -hmm. being unhelpful and what you said there about even in that situation with your little boy when you're actually in the hospital taking time to go home taking time even in the hospital to have some normality have the mcdonald's what strictly gives you moments of space and, and breaks to give you those moments just to reset a little bit mm. and i know when i think about the toughest times i've had to go through there were still moments of laughter in that and it was those moments and actually those moments, if you like, a respite that really helped me just to take a breath and have a little bit of a pause before having to get back into it all over again. I think that's so important. And I know we've talked about keeping a focus on your energy levels and rest to support us in other um, times and other areas of importance. I think actually that underpins so much of everything. But I do think, I know I heavily rely on humour to get me through things. <laughs> and, and to be honest, you know, when I talk, talking about my family and our experience with mental health, we laugh a lot as a family and we actually laugh a lot about all the things that have ever gone wrong. You know, it's, it's how we deal with that, actually. I think that's a really interesting point about how you deal with it. So, you know, I think if you lead teams or, um, or manage individuals, 
and we've said this a lot on, on this podcast, but just being aware that everybody is different. So actually for some people, they may build their resilience through distraction and actually work may be a distraction for them. So don't necessarily assume that work is like another problem for them or another thing that's going to, you know, make them have to be more resilient if they're going through something, say, personally, for example. Um, actually, you know, it might not be. So it's, again, what's what's right for that person. And I think I would really encourage you to explore that again with your um, your team in your next one-to-one because that just gives you more insight around how you lead them more effectively. And if you know equally that they're a person which when things get a bit tough, either at work or at home, and they actually may benefit more from some from some time out, you can help them explore whether that's an option and how you kind of um, facilitate that. But equally, that might not work for someone either. So yeah, I think, you know, knowing what it is that works for, for you, but also for others is important. Yeah, well said. I think it comes back to that. Just don't assume, you know, yeah. don't assume you understand because you don't, you can't, you're not that person. Yeah, and you exactly. have to ask, you have to ask the questions, and you have to give the time to explore it. You have to so, ask the questions, people. <laughs> definitely. So when I was thinking about self care, I know that I can be my worst enemy a lot of the time. And I know when I spoke in the start of this particular episode about how I've been feeling this past week, that unhelpful comparison to others it's definitely something I've done too much of this last week. And I think generally I can be quite guilty of it. And it's not in any other context, actually, other than work and in careers. I don't do it outside of that, actually. It's just when I see other people being really successful, females, it's always females, I compare myself to women, um, who I just think, oh, wow, they're, they're so successful, especially when I know they're the same age as me or maybe younger, worse. <laughs> uh, I immediately start thinking, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not trying hard enough. And so actually I've been really trying to practice my skills in self-compassion a lot in the past week to help myself and to care for myself. Because actually the more that you do that, the more you have the strength to be able to be productive and that's exactly the research that Kristen Neff at the University of Texas has highlighted. Actually, those of us who are much more self-compassionate are a lot more productive. And that's not surprising because I actually think self-critique, especially really unhelpful, negative, can completely stop you in your tracks. It halts things. It's so counterproductive. So I was thinking, well, what do I do when I know that I'm going into these unhelpful patterns of thought and behavior? And actually, an exercise that I do for myself, and actually I practice it on my clients and those I've worked with before, and it's something I learned during my neuro-linguistic programming training, so it's an NLP technique, is a timeline exercise. So you can do this physically in NLP. I think they generally do. They move their person their client through the room I do this on a piece of paper no and that may be because I'm lazy but it's also because at times it can be a lot more practical yeah but literally taking yourself as far back in the past as you can remember or would you you would like to in terms of relevancy and then moving forwards to the present day stopping every moment that is memorable to you of a time when you've been successful 
and then highlighting it. Now you can do this for lots of things. You can do it if you're trying to support somebody to highlight to themselves that they're capable, that they've got the skills, that they can be successful if they're in a place of feeling the opposite. It can be if someone's feeling really unmiserable and depressed and unhappy and they're trying to identify moments in their life when they have been happy so they can understand, well, why was I happy and what can I do more of that? But I essentially it's to for two reasons. One, it helps to anchor you in moments where you felt your best that you can then recall quicker going forwards when you're in moments of real despair, I guess, to be sounding a bit dramatic, but moments where you're feeling down, as well as giving you the opportunity to reflect on what happened then and what did I do? So it comes back to this notion of learning. What can I learn about that to help me right now? It's such a helpful exercise. But what essentially it does is it demonstrates to you, you are successful, you can do this, you have got the resources, acknowledge the experience you've gained. Actually, it's a great way in relation completely to resilience. Look at what you've survived before, therefore you can again. Um, So really great. So I've been doing some of that. I think I've also been reminding myself, and actually I have seen this being quoted in many different spaces at the moment about the fact that we're all on different paths and someone else's path is not going to be the same as mine. So when I'm comparing myself to somebody else, well, how can I? Because we're completely different, especially someone like, you know, who was I comparing myself to the other day that's probably quite unhelpful? Well, Amanda Gorman, the incredible 20-year-old who wrote the poem for the American inauguration, I can't say that word, inauguration, I think that's how they describe (laughs) it. As I said, I think I posted on my LinkedIn personal profile, uh, I'm pretty sure at 22 years old, I was hung over and, you know, not not doing something as incredible as this. Oh, I definitely was. (laughs) But I think it's always remembering you're completely different people, you're on different paths. At no stage have I attempted to become a poet. It was a stupid comparison, but well, there we go. At any stage, has she, you know, d- tried to become a podcast extraordinaire? I think it's on the way. I think she will become a podcast extraordinaire. Yeah, but not, not quite there yet, and you are. True. Well, thank you very much, Susie. Cheers for that. No Boost um, me up. So, yeah, I think, you know, trying to be inspired by other people yeah. rather than don't be intimidated by other people. So those incredible women that I've been following and in getting involved even actually in some of their activities the past week I've been trying to look at it in terms of what can I learn from them how can I mirror what they've done if there are things that I would like to do myself actually can I reach out and speak to them can I ask them to be a mentor you know trying to look at things from that angle so don't not being intimidated by them but being inspired by them and you know look some days I get this right most of the days, probably not. I'm only human. I'm definitely a work in progress. But I think it's that recognizing that you're not finished. You're always growing. And you, you're going to get things wrong, you know, and that's okay as well. And I, look, I'm saying all this out loud because when I fail at anything, I feel wretched. It's only when I take the time, as you've suggested, Susie, to pause, reflect, do I allow myself to give myself a bit of a pat on the back and say, look, it's all right. It didn't necessarily go to plan, but that doesn't matter. And what are you going to do differently next time? You know, it's it's all okay. Sorry, I think Arthur's toy just went off. 
I was gonna say I loved it I was like something went off there in the background (laughs) felt like another like cheer for me like woo you've got this Lisa like raw loved it thanks thanks for that I appreciated it <laughs> sound effects included in this podcast yeah, we are working from home totally at the end real, of real guys yeah, so, really real. so um yeah I think just to one final thing from me actually just to kind of build on what you said yeah um resilience is such an intangible thing and so it can be hard to know when we're displaying it so actually don't be too hard on yourself because I think until, you know, you are in it, you don't necessarily know that that's what you've been demonstrating. There'll be challenges, I'm sure, um, in the last couple of months, which you've overcome and you probably don't even realize or like know you have. So um, it's really hard to know, like I said, like when we've done it and it and I said it before and I'll keep saying but it's so personal to to that person and how you build and all those different experiences you know is is how you're um build that kind of resilience piece size doesn't matter exactly exactly in this in this in this in this context (laughs) size does not matter when it comes to resilience Oh, so we've got today's top tips. Number one, review your situations and identify unhelpful patterns, break them. Number two, resilience is different for all. Build tailored plans for individuals, including yourself. Three, avoid unhelpful comparisons, be inspired, not intimidated. And four, because we threw a cheeky one in, remind yourself what you have achieved, not what you haven't. So it's now time for this week's listener question. This is where you, the listener, send us your workplace dilemmas or questions and we try and answer them and offer some suggestions. So this week's question is from Scott in Kent. Hi Lisa and Susie, my name is Scott and I'm from Kent. Today I'm looking for some advice. The company I work for has recently gone for a large restructure and in doing so has limited potential promotion and growth opportunities for what I can assume is the next 18 months to two years. My question to you today is, do I look elsewhere or stay with my current company in hope of the promotion and the growth opportunities in the not too distant future? Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Scott. Thanks very much. Okay. I'm sure this will be a question that a lot of people can relate to actually uh, at the moment. So I think there's probably a couple of things that I would suggest that might help you, Scott. So the first being, um, I think, exploring the assumption in, in your question there. So you said, I'm assuming this will kind of limit my opportunity for growth and promotion for 18 months to two years. And I think exploring whether that is a valid assumption or potentially disproving it as an, as an assumption. So I would say maybe try and chat to like senior leaders, key stakeholders, uh, and try and get their um, view on if they think that that's actually going to be an issue. And also um, one of the things with change is that a change program often does actually bring opportunities down the line. It's just not maybe um, necessarily always 
there once it, it straight away. So actually, as things evolve and bed in um, with the new structure, you might find that um, some opportunities for, for growth and, and promotion kind of come through. So that would be the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is try and maybe write down all the things that are important to you in a job. So that can be a mixture of different things. So for example, uh, work-life balance, earning a certain salary, growth in uh, in a job, things that you um, enjoy doing, what your strengths are. Um, create um, a column with your current role and then potentially a column with um, jumping ship and, and kind of going somewhere else. And then work your way through each of those things and kind of tick off um, what each of those scenarios um, delivers against. So you're kind of doing a bit of a pros and cons for those two different options that you've you've got there. So that would be my kind of second suggestion is, is look at um, what's important to you and what you value out of a job and, and if your current situation is delivering that for you. And then finally, so this isn't an area of expertise for that Lisa and I kind of specialize in, but maybe a career coach might be um, somebody who's really helpful for you. Um, and we can if, help you kind of unpick the situation and, and your kind of thinking in this area and help you kind of think about um, what is right for you in your next step. Um, but we, we certainly know people who are. So uh, please get in contact. We can we can definitely recommend some people that you might want to have a think about working with. And also, there's a great podcast you might want to take a listen to called Your Bravo Career Podcast. That's got some great hints and tips for anybody looking for a career change as well. Uh, so go in and maybe check that out. Um, but yeah, they'll probably be my three top suggestions. Um, I hope that's helpful, Scott. Great stuff. I think to build on what Susie said, I think the point around assumption is a great one. Actually seek the facts. I actually would say this is more about what you really want and what's happening with the company is actually just a distraction. So I'm going to do my Spice Girls routine, but I think it's a matter of saying, not literally, I'm not going to like jump into (laughs) one, but I think in terms of the question I would ask yourself is what do I want? And then ask it to yourself, yes, but what do I really want? And then ask it to yourself a third time, yes, but what do I really, really want? Yeah, I like it. And really be honest with yourself about what's important to you. Going into the detail that Susie's just recommended in terms of looking at the pros and cons is a great next step to that. Then that's brilliant. But ultimately, you may not even want to stay at that company. And that's what you learn. Therefore, whatever's going on there is actually irrelevant. So I think it's coming back to what we've talked a lot about in this podcast, because whatever's happening in the wider organization, you can't control. Yeah. Great stuff. I hope that gives you a few things to go away and have a think about. Um, If those of you who are listening have your own thoughts for Scott uh, or would also like to share uh, a question, uh, please do get in touch. You can email us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or send us a message on Instagram at the coaching cast. It's now time for bullshit bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace or in life, actually, which makes us cringe. Today's bullshit bingo is new normal in the context of the new situational environment we find ourselves living in. <laughs> we actually mentioned this in the in the first episode for anyone who listened to the pilot. Um, And we talked about how we don't like this particular phrase. So um, we're talking about it more in depth here. But yeah, so new normal. 
God, uh, doesn't feel that new now. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I think it's just the norm now. I don't think there's a, there's a new element attached to it. I think when we go back to some resemblance of back to kind of pre-COVID pandemic life, that will be the new normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It changes all the time. I actually heard someone in many ways rephrase this and I much preferred it and it felt more relevant to the situation we're living in, which is always changing. And that was the next normal. Oh, and I quite liked that. Yeah, I like that, actually. It also felt a bit more palatable for me because I don't like this normal. So, the you know, newness, generally, I associate new with exciting, different, fun, glossy, shiny. I mean, there's nothing glossy or shiny about this. (laughs) And so new to me feels like a positive, optimistic word. And the fact it keeps getting referred to in this situation just they don't correlate they're really jar with each other so I prefer next normal especially because it gives me this kind of hope that it will keep changing and we will move past this and therefore things can only get better so there's nothing new about it anymore no today's a new normal compared to yesterday especially with the weather (laughs) changing it's been like nearly a year there's nothing new about it anymore it's kind of like when you would move into a new job and you're like I'm new in this job I definitely milked that for a long time. <laughs> I love being new. I like to forgive myself for being new, but yeah, you're right. I definitely uh, overdid it. I think I got to 12 months and it wasn't acceptable anymore. <laughs> so we're coming to the end of today's episode where we've discussed resilience and what it means today in 2021. Our tips from today for you to try are... Review your situations and identify unhelpful patterns and break them. Resilience is different for all. Build tailored plans for individuals. Number three, avoid unhelpful comparisons. Be inspired, not intimidated. And four, the cheeky fourth one, remind yourself what you have achieved, not what you haven't. In addition to our top tips, We've got some questions for you to ask yourself to help build and grow some of the topics and ideas that we've discussed today. So the questions we've got, number one, is practice being more compassionate to yourself. When something goes wrong, ask yourself, what would I tell my best friend if this were him or her in this scenario? Number two, allow yourself to feel what you are feeling without judgment, accepting that shit happens. And then ask yourself, when you're ready, what have I learned? And then finally, question three, ask yourself, what will I do differently next time? Ask this for yourself, practice with you, and then also utilize with other people you manage and lead to help them better connect and understand their own resilience and how they too can grow. We hope you enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts, or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or on Instagram at thecoachingcast. Your support means everything. Therefore, if you like what you've heard today, then please, 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 please give us a like, subscribe and also comment uh, and we will get all the updates on our future episodes. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can find us. In our next episode, we'll be discussing the topic of dealing with change. We both love music and use it to motivate and energize us. 
So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next Zoom or team meeting. My choice this week is Lifetime by Romy from The XX. Absolute banger. I've been dancing around to it for the last week. Great team. So good. Thanks very much for listening. Have a great week. And remember, you got this. You've got this. (laughs) 